The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm just on cloud nine right now. I feel dead, but it's a little bit alcohol, but it's also that was an emotionally draining day in the best of ways, right? Going to go down against Man United, last minute winners, just the reality that Arsenal are back. Uh, This isn't a threat. Arsenal are back and everybody could feel it. I felt like, and also like we pick our games. I mean, that was like a, that felt like an iconic game. That felt like the, the, the big People ones, right? Saying, uh, it may be the greatest atmosphere the Emirates has ever seen ahead of the Barcelona game. That's what I've been reading today. Uh, and I don't know if it's the, the recency bias, but it felt like we witnessed something special. And obviously, um, there's some magic in the air that happens when the three of us get together because we've only been <laughs> together at, at two games, both games, last-minute winners for Arsenal. I mean, seriously, we're going to have to start crowdfunding to get us to every game. You guys, transatlantic flights possibly two times a week. We've got a Champions League campaign you guys are going to have to be flown in for every game, you know. We're going to need business class seats if we're doing (laughs) in and out, but I'm sure the GoFundMe, that's fine. I always want to say, yeah, I I live on an aeroplane for my job, you know, every game. (laughs) Europa Leagues, everything. Good morning and welcome to a new edition. Oh no! It's fitting. Uh, I mean, we we know the loopers will be going nuts for that. I thought we'd go they over need that. to celebrate. Yeah, you know. That. You got that's, a loop. You're welcome. Embarrassing. <laughs> that's embarrassing. But listen, forgive these uh, consistent mistakes because Arsenal beat Manchester United. So I'm going to say it again. Good morning or good afternoon because I'm actually in London today. Good afternoon and welcome to an Arsenal Opinion podcast. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran. I'm joined by Matt Candela. I am Pedro and we're pretty excited because we've got an action-packed show for you today. Boys, it was great to see you yesterday. It was great to meet so many good people out and about. Um, 
Matt, talk to me emotionally. How are you feeling right now? Uh, drained. You know, it was it was exhausting. Came home, uh, didn't go to bed for hours, just went through every piece of Arsenal. I read every tweet about Arsenal that existed on the internet for about six hours yesterday. Then watched Match of the Day 2. Love Martin Keown on Match of the Day 2. Was reading... Uh, incredible articles, anything I could find, anything I could lay my hands on. I was a scavenger. I was just going through going through the whole internet and then woke up this morning and just did the same. And it was a bit like, you know, last night was like being served a beautiful spaghetti bolognese. It just tasted delicious and I was ravenous. And then today was like when you have still have the leftovers and they taste even better the next day. And I've just been feasting again, anything to do with the game. Uh, any bit of analysis, any bit of gossip, anything. Um, it's just, what a time. What a time to be alive as a gooner. I certainly wasn't eating spaghetti by the nose, Johnny. It was down the kebab shop for me. Uh, I know that you slipped in a cheeky nose, Johnny. How you feel? What's the emotional state? Uh, yeah, there's look, there's so much to get through today. Um, number one, um, like Matt said, you know, it often does taste better in the morning because the, the flavors have had a chance to marinate and imbue into each other, you know, and that is what that's what's happened with that result. The flavors have marinated, and we are getting to smell, smell this gastronomic phenom. It was amazing, it feels symbolic, it feels significant, it feels like that was a landmark win potentially era, you know, era, uh, certainly, I wouldn't say kickstarting because I feel like the era's already started, but it does feel like this is a sign of things to come. Had more than, um, more than one jar of lager last night um, and paying for it a little bit, especially considering it's dry January. Um, so I'm back on, I'm back on the uh, non-alcoholic beverages today the seven up just trying to live a clean and healthy lifestyle right now because Arsenal are giving me more than enough uh to be floating floating through the clouds right now I absolutely I absolutely love what I'm seeing I'm gonna try and package some of what I'm feeling into words throughout this pod but right now all I can say is just wow 100% I'm 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 emotionally drained today everything about yesterday was beautiful walking around north london listening in on people's conversations the nerves weren't those uh the nerves from five or six years ago when it was like oh playing manchester united how many are we going to get spanked by how embarrassing is this going to be but it was the nerves that you get before winning something it was uh it, it was excitement everybody was really positive there's no negativity around the stadium in the stadium it was it was wonderful it was nice to have um a few people coming up to us saying hello, especially after Eddie and Ketia scored. Everybody knows that that agenda has been carried through to the max right now. He was phenomenal. There's so many good stories to talk about. You know, you know it's you know it's a good day because you're like, I don't even know where to start today. Just so much goodness out there. But somebody's got to start, and I actually believe that uh, this week's hottest take starts with Johnny Cochran. Johnny, what is your hottest take um, in the after the spiciest of evenings? Now, there's a couple of things, different places I'm going to go. I was even giving you guys a sneak peek at some of the hottest takes yesterday. It was kind of like, you know, I didn't know what to do with all this, uh, these thoughts and stream of consciousness in my head because usually I get to dump after a game in the AOP. But 
I'm going to take it into a couple of points and uh, and uh, kind of pin it down to that. Number one, I think that this is a real crystallising moment. And we have to be honest, not all wins are built the same. They're not. Sometimes you win 1-0 against, you know, your, your Fulham's at home. And sometimes you come back from behind against a title rival. They were trying to sneak themselves into the narrative and you step up. And you show for the whole world to see quite clearly that you are the benchmark. That's what we are now. We are the benchmark for every other team in the league to be judged against. This is a team that not long ago played Manchester City and beat them. I mean, we're talking, I say not long ago, I mean, literally what, within the last fortnight. And they've come here, they've tried to give us that treatment, and they've been sent packing. See you later. Not good enough. And they know they're not good enough. When you look at things like XG, I don't, I don't, you know, live and die by stats like that. But it was a thorough beating, well deserved. Um, and I think that this really is a point where, for any doubters, Arsenal fans or not, it started to come home. Now it started to the the reality has started to sink in. We are absolutely locked in to try and win this title. I think we're going to win the title. I'm openly saying it. I'm happy. I've been saying it for weeks. Uh, I did it in the predictions um, pre New Year. I said that I think we'd win it. And now, after these results, unless something crazy happens, I think we're going to do it. And it would be the most remarkable achievement. I'm going to save the other point for later in the pod because I do ramble at this point. So I'm going to just say that not all wins are built the same. This is a landmark one. And I tell you what, now you're going to believe us. Matt, Johnny's taken the landmark win off the chopping block. So where's your hottest of take going to go today? You're on mute. My hottest of takes is that we reached the halfway point of the season yesterday. 19 games played, 19 games to go. I think because of where of the World Cup, we sometimes feel like we're a little bit further along than we are. We're only at the halfway point. But like a cricketer, uh, we also reached 50 not out. And I think if we were a cricketer, you'd get like a little wave of the bat and then you'd settle in. For, to, to and make your way to a century. And I think that's got to be the ambition. You know, we've been invincibles before. The question now is whether we can be centurions because we might have to be if we want to win the league. I think Manchester City have made their mistakes. I think they're going to come out and they're going to try and win every game. But I think we also have the ability to win every game. So I'm excited uh, to see how far we can go on that. We've certainly shown we have what it takes. And I think the biggest difference yesterday was our ambition. It was tense. Uh, there were 20 minutes to go. Pedro was saying a two-all draw was fine next to me. He was saying four points out of six was fine. Roll me under the bus and I see you. <laughs> but but the team didn't agree. Mikel Arteta didn't agree. In fact, you had more in common with Ten Hag who 20 minutes to go said, a draw's good. We're a bit jaded. Let's bring Fred on. We did the opposite. We said, we want to win this and we're not going to let go. And we did win it. And the rest is history. We're 50 not out. And my hottest of takes is, let's get to 100. I think we can do it. So you've taken, Johnny's taken landmark. You've taken, it's only halfway through the season. I'm going to go, I'm going to go broad because I think we can get deep into some of the topics a little bit later. And um, my broad take. Uh, so after the game, 
uh, I went and met Johnny in the Rocket and they were playing an old Man United Arsenal game. It was like between 1998 and 2002. And I was watching it out of the corner of my eye. And, you know, that was a, that was a peak year. That was a transformational change in the way that we played. Um, we imagined it being fast-paced, uh, highly technical uh, and, and intense. And I was watching the game and I was like, I love this football when I saw it. And I remember being like, this is, it's wild that we can play this well, you know, having watched, uh, you know, the latter years of George Graham. My heart's take after yesterday is Mikel Arteta has brought the best football I've ever seen, ever seen an Arsenal player play. It's technical, it's intense, it's highly tactical, uh, and it's absolutely devastating. There's no weak points in this squad. Um, is one of the best coaches in the world and he had absolutely no answers for the way that we played yesterday. This Arsenal team is playing the best football we've ever seen and it's only in its infancy. This The average age of this squad is a little shy of 24. You're not supposed to start winning titles until 28. We are going till the end of the century competing if we can keep this group of players together and I agree with Johnny. That was a landmark win. That will be one that we point at uh, some stage in the summer and say that was the moment when belief really kicked in. But I also agree with Matt, like halfway through the season, a lot of, a lot of bad things can happen between now and then. You can pick up injuries, freak results. Um, so we can't get complacent. But if there's one thing that I, I don't feel with this team, it's that we'll be complacent. I feel like we've been up for almost every game this season. Uh, halfway into the season, I don't think we've seen a, a, a terrible performance, uh, even when we've lost games. So things are looking up. Squad's looking strong, and this is the best football we've ever seen. Uh, and now we're going to dive in to some uh, pretty naughty parts of the podcast. Uh, let's firstly lean into, um, I don't even know where to lean into. I mean, let, let's just go for this utter dominance. Ten Hag came out after the game and said that it was close and the, the game was won and lost in the details. And maybe when we were watching it, it felt, it felt tight. But when you look back, you're like, two freak goals. Uh, we, had, we had 25 shots and we had 65 touches in their penalty area. I mean, it really was uh, dominant. Matt, like, what did you make of the performance yesterday? And, uh, you know, what do you make of Ten Hag's view? What game was Ten Hag watching? I think he's watching the game that we were at because it certainly felt tenser than the stats led you to believe. And I think there were a couple of reasons for that. I think the first one was Marcus Rashford, who I thought we looked scared of him in the first half. Every time we got on the ball, he looked electric. Uh, what, Marcus Rashford, the, the guy that you said was shit and we shouldn't sign for Arsenal because he was like Theo Walcott. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> that exactly one. that way. The very <laughs> same. <laughs> Taking a little W over here. Exactly. W for Pedro. You were right, you were right. I'll take it. He was absolutely electric in that first half. And I mean, Ben White has been one of our best players all year. And the fact that Mikel Arteta thought that Ben White on a booking was going to get himself sent off, basically, or not be able to handle Rashford. I mean, I love the way that we, the, the way he handled that, and we can talk about that separately. But I think Rashford was incredibly dangerous. I think they were always, United just are very good in transition and, and on the counter in open space. And so because of that, whenever they got the ball in those places, it felt dangerous, even though that wasn't really reflected in the statistics. So I think that was always always a concern and it did feel like they scored out of nothing twice and you always felt like they could go on and do more but when the dust has settled you have to say it was it was fantastic I think the stats are probably skewed by 
the last 20, 25 minutes, because that's when we really turn the screw. And I love the Jonathan Liu article in The Guardian. I've sent it to everyone I know, because uh, it was just so brilliantly written. But when he took Fred, when he took Anthony off and brought Fred on, it was a signal of surrender. And at that moment, you just felt the game really, really turned because they were tired. It was the signal that they're happy to take a point. And we absolutely demolished them for the last 20 minutes, really did. And I think that probably skewed the statistics in the game. But, you know, you can't argue we, 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 were, we were fantastic um, at times. I still think there's room for improvement in that first half display. I don't think we were anywhere near our best in the first half. But... Um, yeah, you just love to see it. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a very, very complete performance when you win three two, and we needed to win, and we did. Johnny, uh, Arsenal's dominance isn't isn't the, it's not always the same every game. There's always a different reason that we dominate. You know, we're very tactically flexible. Thomas Partey didn't have his best game yesterday. Made a a, a few unforced errors, but there were other players that led to our our dominance. Who do you think were those key players yesterday that led to uh, a spanking like we saw? Well, I didn't know if I was going to do it in this section, but we'll, I guess we'll get onto it. But um, what I would say quickly, just on some of the points Matt covered there, look, um, it, it, it was a tense game in some ways. You know, it did have opportunities. But the thing is, is the reason why the XG looks the way it does is because if you actually look at the chances they scored from, I mean, Rashford, it's, it's out of nowhere. It's a, it's a fantastic goal, to be fair. Um, I wondered from the angle I was sitting at in the stadium whether Ramsdale could do better. But I think, you know, it's a great strike and it, it's in the bottom corner and it's far out and it's hit with power. I'm not going to be having a go at him for that. Um, you know, and uh, you just have to take your hat off sometimes and say, great goal, great finish. And he's playing very, very well at the moment, um, as Matt rightly pointed out. And the other one... I will blame, obviously, Ramsdale because he had more than a hand in it. Um, you know, a kind of fluff that coming for the ball and then ultimately they've skanked a goal. And that's the only way back in. But if you look at it, they did have other big chances where Ramsdale was more than stepped up and made some big saves for Marcus Rashford, uh, you know, in that game, which has ultimately helped us get to that end result that we uh, achieved. So it was a game that felt a bit like a mirage you thought you thought you felt like it was really close and then you know the stats might seem something different but ultimately I do think it was a tense affair because they were game opponents they obviously came to try and get something out of that game they were full of confidence and ultimately the reason why I see it as dominance is because the great teams are ones that can even when they're put under adversity they can gut it out and they can find ways to come back and they dominate through their perseverance and their resoluteness, their robustness. And that's what we suddenly have now. We've got champion champion quality running through the team. That's what it felt like. And you asked for key names. There are so many people, and I know we're going to touch on a lot of these guys, you know, throughout the pod. But look, Bukayo Saka for me, you know, I, I, I don't get bored. I'm sorry if anyone else gets bored of me talking about him, but I don't. I think he's a world-class player now. Anyone who's not, you know, bored, he's not paying attention or they're not watching. And I said yesterday that I think it's reminiscent because he's not necessarily scored the kinds of goals at this stage, although we might be heading into it, that someone like a Mohamed Salah has been producing over a few years. 
What I think Saka is doing for me, and the reason why I think he is so devastating and arguably, in my opinion, the best player in the league right now, and I mean that, him and Haaland, um, it's because the, the comp for me is Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, in big games, he never used to get like 25, 30 goals a year in the Premier League. Never did it. But the reason why he'd win PFA Player of the Year and things like that is because in the big games, when the trophies virtually get handed out based on those results, he would take the games over and he would dominate. And that is what Saka is doing now against prime opposition. He doesn't have off days. He dominates and he is dominating against the very best. And if that ain't world class, I don't know what it is. But there are so many top performance performance uh, yesterday. I'm sure we'll get onto all of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I th- I thought the I thought the dominance was um, spectacular yesterday. I mean, I've, I've watched quite a lot of Manchester United this season. I haven't been tremendously impressed, but they're definitely a better team. They've got individual talent that can devastate. And I thought Marcus Rashford looked like Thierry Henry in the first 25 minutes. But what I loved about it is in the second half, we doubled up on him and took him out of the game. I think somebody just put in the comments that he had three touches in the last 30 minutes, which is just, I mean, that's, that is tactical flexibility. That's recognizing a problem. And I also think the, the worst tactical decision of the game was Ten Hag takes Anthony off, brings Fred on, and just lets Zinchenko do what the fuck he wants. And Zinchenko, I mean, you see him live and in the flesh. We will talk about him. The man is a is a beast. I mean, he's like the kid at five aside that's better than everybody. Uh, Zin, you know, he's Zin Diesel. Use his Zin Diesel. Zin, Zin Diesel. Put a, you look like it, yeah, he could put a blindfold on and dominate a game. I thought he was outrageous, and um, it was it, it was just nice to watch a team and and just go, wow, I I can't see a weakness in this starting eleven, uh, and then you know to have Trossard come off the bench. And contribute. I think Matt paid him the biggest compliment. Matt said he looks like an Arsenal player, and that's tough. That's tough going to drop into Arsenal's system and game one look like you've been playing there for years. So um, I, I think the this is the culmination of of a three year project, and I'm really excited that we can do that to a team like Man United, especially after the awkward loss. We don't have a bogey team in the Premier League this season. We can't have a bogey team because we've you know we've played everybody now. So uh, apart from Manchester City, so apart from Manchester City, <laughs> only those guys, yeah, <laughs> only those guys. All right, let's uh, let's let's start getting into um, a little bit of the individual performance stuff. Um, okay, we're looking at uh, Zinchenko here on the picture. There's a picture of him screaming very loudly in Martin Erdegaard's ear. But I picked the picture because nothing sums up this man's mentality and this man's <laughs> impact on the team. Um, watching Zinchenko yesterday. It, it felt like uh, it felt like a, a privilege, an honor, something that when I'm on my deathbed, I'll say I was there when Zinchenko was playing against Manchester United, and it was a privilege of a lifetime. Um, I can't believe this guy has been sitting on Manchester City's bench playing 20 games a season. Uh, Johnny, what do you think of uh, about Zinchenko's performance yesterday? And did you expect him to take Arsenal to the level that he has? I mean, like, he's such a unique, weird player. He's almost impossible to play against. What did you make of the performance yesterday? What stood out to you? Yeah. Zin Diesel needs special um, commendation for what he dished out yesterday. The fact is, when you sign a player like this, I mean, we, we knew we needed a left back. If nothing else, we needed cover for Kieran Tierney because of his injury problems. But... You're talking about a guy who has essentially revolutionised the way that we play. 
when you're in the ground and you get to see, like, because naturally when you're watching it, um, you know, at home on, on the on the TV, you're always, you know, um, kind of at the whim of the director, wherever the camera's pointing. And you don't always get to see the positions that Zinchenko is picking up unless he receives the ball. But he must be a fucking nightmare to play against. Because if you're a winger, you're going... Hold up, what am I meant to do here? This guy's running over, pulling strings at the heart of their midfield. And I feel like I'm in here if someone plays me. But do I need to go tracking that guy into the holding midfielder area? He's technically so sound. What we're seeing now is how strong his character is. We always knew that he had, you know, these intangibles. You know, his character was there. He was a leader. But the fact that we got these two players from City and then now you've got... Pep ultimately complaining that City perhaps lack that extra bit of juice, that that ability to get up and go every single week against those teams. And you go, maybe it's the guys you got rid of because these guys are absolutely at the fulcrum of what we're doing. I thought he was absolutely different gravy yesterday. And you know, when you see him, he could easily play in centre midfield anywhere. He feels like a player who could play anywhere on the pitch. That's how good he is. And I think when we're at our best... Zinchenko is a main, main is a major, major part of it, um, and he, he just adds to the suffocating nature that we play with these days. We didn't give them any room to breathe, and you know we, we just waited for them to let off the little death rattle. Matt, when uh, when Ten Hag took off um, Anthony and stopped uh, stopped Zinchenko having concerns about uh, that very average player running past him. What did you make of his game in the last 20 minutes? Was he the most important player in that mix? I think he was the most... He's, he's proving to be the most important player full stop for Arsenal. That's, that's and I think I like that. And I, and I think the craziest thing was that game against Chelsea earlier on in the season, Chelsea away, where he hadn't even trained, I don't think. And Arteta still played him. And we were like, wow, he's going to put Zinchenko in without any minutes whatsoever, not even a few minutes in the week, and he's going to start him against Chelsea away. And I think that's because Arteta knows the key to Arsenal absolutely dominating decent opponents is Zinchenko. And he, and he absolutely, now he's fully fit, he just absolutely showed it. He showed it in that game, but he shows it every game. But I think beyond all the play, which is well documented, I think He's, he's done something else. And I think it reminded me a bit of back in 1996, 97, Paul Merson was having a great run. And they go, Merce, you're playing so well. And he goes, oh, it's, it's Arsene Wenger who's given me unbelievable belief. And it became a thing, the unbelievable belief that was spreading through Arsenal at that time. And for me, Zinchenko, when I listened to his interviews, which were incredible, he's, he's, he speaks English better than anyone at the club. Anyone. It's, it's just a joy to, to hear him. And he goes, he goes, yeah, when I, when I turned up at Arsenal, I had a look around, you know, and I already knew all the players, but when I had a look around and I thought, we've got everything we need here. And I told all the players, like, forget top three. We don't talk about top three. We talk about winning the title here. And he goes, and they were all laughing at me. And he goes, but they're not laughing now. And, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and it just really captured my imagination when he said that. And he said... You know, it's the Premier League. Everyone's fast. Everyone's got good technique. And you're thinking, not as fast as you and not as good a technique as you. But he's like, that's basically table stakes. But it's all about desire. 
That's how you win. That's how you win. And I think that's what's got Pep scared because he sees it and he sees it. And what he can see is that we want it more than their team. We do. We want it more. And he, and he was talking about it. But I think so much of that is down to Zinchenko. And maybe Pep didn't realise how much of Manchester City's desire was down to Zinchenko. He underestimated him. But underestimate him at your peril. Because we're breathing fire. And, you know, nothing's going nothing's gonna to stop us. Love that. Yeah, Zinchenko was amazing yesterday. Watching his, the verticality of his passing, the way that he opened up, um, the way that he opened up the game. The it's also interesting to watch as the game in real time. Like he's very intelligent. He's always scanning. He almost like reminds me of uh, Meza Özil. Like we, you just, I, I spent a lot of time just watching him. Um, I think it was the, I think tough. Just watching how he managed um, Anthony, um, how we move into midfield. Like he's impossible to um, to mark because you don't know what he's going to do. Like he can cut wide. He can come inside. He's deep in a number 10 position he's absolutely phenomenal and I, I like again I keep on talking about this I, I know that we're all upset about Mudrick going to Chelsea for 90 million but I can't get my head around the biggest game changing transfers of last summer it was Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko and we got them for 70 million four times Premier League winners that's what money should buy you that's game changing vision um, and we're just picking up Pep's leftovers and you're right Matt it is interesting to listen to Pep because he's a little bit rattled because he knows that he's Teta. People that have IP as part of their, as part of DNA, and I actually thought that a nice segue into the next. Haven't got enough for it, but um, the fans. Did you notice Guardiola uh, complaining about the home support at, um, at Manchester City at the moment? We sat in the ground. Everybody talks about an army, and they've got. To- bringing the atmosphere to Arsenal, but everybody in the stadium now feels a responsibility to sing. And I think one fan, you know, one of my fans, they make you feel guilty for not singing. So now there's this mentality that if you're in the stadium, you've got you've got to sing for all night. So I wanted to get, uh, Matt, I wanted to get your take on the home food, do you think? Well, um, I haven't been to every game this season. Um, I've been to a couple and the atmosphere has been unlike any other season gone by. I think we saw it improving last year. Um, We spoke to David Dean about it on our podcast. And if people haven't listened to that, they should listen to it. And he put it down to a winning team, which I think was a fair point, but I don't think it's the whole story. I think it's about connection. I think it's about identity. I think it's about the Emirates finally feeling like home. We were talking about it um, before the game with a couple of mates. And again, really, it's never felt like home the Emirates, since 2005 until really this season. This is the season. Yeah, you had the odd game, the odd moment. But now it just feels like, and it was what Mikel Arteta was talking about on day one of his press conference. We have to get that connection between the fans and the supporters. And when we get that, magic will happen. And I think you saw it today that we were in row seven, uh, block 10. By the way, no one, we didn't sit down we didn't put our seat down once. Everyone, everyone lower tier, even 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 the West and Eastern, everyone standing all game. Like that's the difference. It's not about sitting and waiting to be entertained. It's not about being passive and reactive. It's about recognizing that 
we have a role to play. And that when Rashford scores, it's not about going silent and going, well, come on then, let's see what you've got. It's about revving them up and getting them engaged. And it's just an absolute joy to be part of this. And I think that's the most exciting thing. Yeah, the team's amazing. Yeah, the football's amazing. But there's always been this like, oh, you know, we, we said it before. We said it when Unai Emery won nine in a row. We said we've got our Arsenal back. But we didn't. But it feels like this atmosphere is about the connectivity and the reciprocal relationship between Arsenal and the fans. And it manifests itself in this incredible atmosphere um, that is, frankly, the best in the league. And you see it, you know, you watch the Chelsea-Liverpool game. Liverpool-Chelsea, it was at Anfield. Flat as a fucking pancake. Two mid-table teams, no atmosphere, fans not bringing it. The famous Anfield roar, nothing. And then you come a day later, and it's been the same all year. There's been big game before, big game after, and everyone's gone. There's something special going on over there. And it was just wonderful to be part of it. Uh, Johnny, the atmosphere at the Emirates is probably the best in the country at the moment. And the best thing about the atmosphere there is it didn't start just because we were winning. I think it started at the beginning of last season when there was an accusation that Arsenal fans were cheering Manchester City goals uh, away from home. Um, what changed? Why are we so united? Um, is this atmosphere going to last forever? How much of this is down to the manager? Um, well, yeah, let's start with the easiest one. Yes, things have changed. And yes, the fact I've, I've never known an atmosphere like it in the Emirates era. As Matt rightfully said, it's never been this good. Um, I, I think I will um, kind of try and illustrate that with a conversation I was having, have, having yesterday with Suburban Guna Chris. Shout out to Chris, friend of the pod. Give him a little follow on socials if you can as well. He's great. And he was, he sits, we, we were sitting in, um, uh, in uh, block five and it was standing all game, just like Matt. Uh, was saying and he was saying about how seasons ago and I'd been there with him I've been a, a number of times with him and the stewards used to come around and tell you to sit down and they'd be like sit down sit down and it used to just get so frustrating and you always end up doing this weird little you know Mexican wave where someone in front of you stands up because they're going to score and then all oh, right we're, are we standing no nope, you're being told to sit down and that adds to the restraint placed on the fan participation and engagement with what happens on the pitch. Now, look, they might not, they might, whether they're using their own initiative or whether it's an initiative handed down from up top, they're saying, don't get involved anymore. These guys go every week. We're not interested in telling people to sit down so they can stand up again the next time the ball comes near. They're generating one of the best atmospheres in Europe. You know, it's certainly in the league. And it is obviously having a big impact with how the players feel about the club. They want to stick around. This is why when you start listening to William Saliba's interviews and stuff, and it's not just the results, it's the fan engagement. Why would you want to leave? You're adored by 60,000 every week, singing their hearts out. It's an absolute roller coaster, and it looks like glory is on the horizon. You know, the fan engagement is absolute paramount to doing anything big. And... The idea that we could achieve something major and the fans be play a central role in that is just it, it's just it's something we we would never have thought of before, and that is really really um, you know you know a crowning achievement if you like of the Arteta era being able to get the fans back engaged in that way. So to to answer the point, Pete, is it the manager? 
Is it, you know, I think it's a, a combination of everything. I think it's the way that the, 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 the club are handling their connection with the fans. They're genuinely trying to cultivate it for once. And the manager knew how important it was. But I don't think it's all on Arteta, but I think he certainly has played a major role in it. And also even the All or Nothing documentary, seeing how these guys are, seeing behind the scenes, seeing what these guys, what it means to them to play for the Arsenal. The fans see the pride. They, you know, they they have pride for their club again. And it shows every time another unsuspecting opponent rolls into our stadium and they get the brakes beaten off them. You've got to remember that uh, for years, decades, five minutes, 85th minute was time to leave. You know, it was beat the rush. It was get on the Piccadilly line before uh, beat the crowds. You know, that's what it was like. And it was it was bonkers. And people would do it at the big games as well. And, you know, I don't think there was there was a single person uh a single person left before the team had gone into the changing rooms. Yeah. Everyone wanted to see and milk every last minute of it. Do you know one, one other quick point about the Emirates as well? I've said for a long time, you know the little strap going round the Emirates where it's got all our trophies in the years that we've won them? I kind of feel like it would never really feel like home until we stick another league title there. And then suddenly... It starts a new era of Arsenal being Arsenal. Because guess what? We win league titles. I know it feels like it feels like it was so long ago, most of us can't remember it. But this is what we do. It's in the DNA of the club. There's only two other teams in this country who have won more of them. We do win leagues. And guess what? It might have felt like it's something that we don't do. But the feeling's back again. And I feel like we might be adding to that little strap going around the Emirates now, that little bit of hoarding. And I tell you what, it will certainly feel like home at that point. Agree. I think the the biggest thing that Arsenal did is recognise that uh, atmosphere can't be cultivated on its own. It needs help. Just like a culture. If you work in a business and um, there's a good culture within a business, but it's a passive culture, that means that if certain people leave the business, the culture goes down the toilet. And I think it's the same with the atmosphere in the stadium. A lot of new season ticket holders in there, especially post-COVID. Um, you need to bring people together. You need to give them the tools to create a great atmosphere. And I noticed even, even the boards where there's the Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal that pops up and then Arsenal fans see it and then everyone plays along. You know, there might have been years gone by where you say, oh, you can't interfere with fan culture like that. But it really helped. And I, the, the guy that was sitting next to me, someone on the tannoy said, take your seats. And he was talking to his mate and he said, take our seats. He said, we haven't taken our seats in the North Bank all season. And I was like, wow, you know, that's such an important point. When I was regular season ticket holder up until like 2016, you would always be told to sit down unless it was like the one or two big games a season. So it's nice to see that Arsenal were actively pursuing um, the best atmosphere in the stadium. And what do you know? Now you can't get a ticket. Now you can't get a ticket anywhere. Now, if you've got a season ticket and you want to sell it, you're not selling it for face value where you should be. People are selling it for three, four X and they're getting 10 offers, which isn't great. Don't get me wrong. Um, shouldn't really be talking about that. But you know what I mean. You get the point <laughs> that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to, I'm, I want to make another, I want to make another point. Um, if you're watching this live right now and you haven't hit that like button, smack that like button on YouTube right now. It's very good. And then you've, you, you're already there. Shift over and, and click subscribe. Just click it. And then you always know when we're going to come live because you get a lovely little email um, telling you, and he also makes you feel part of, of the club. 
but not as much as joining our Patreon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Arsenal Opinion Patreon. It's £3.50 a month. You get some exclusive early birds. You get before the whistles. Sometimes you'll get little solos. You'll get JC raps uh, that are pretty amazing. You go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. It's £3.50 a month. And I tell you what, uh, it makes you feel sexy to be part of this club, let me tell you. It's going to up your chances in bars if you're single. It's going to make your wife worry if you're not single. And I say wife, I found out that 95% of people that listen to this podcast aren't male. Uh, I know that Phil is in the uh, in the comments, so I apologize to you. But um, yeah, so sign up to our patreon.com because it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, let's move on to the... Oh, one more thing. Do a little bit of local advertising. So I went to... I love Borough Market because um, I live in a borough when I'm in London. And there's this little stand and it's called Northfield Farm. And they do like this amazing Reuben. So I went up, I went up to, uh, and I might have just completely imagined this, but I went up and uh, the the lady behind the counter said, hello, Pete, what can I get you? And I was like, what? I've never met you before. And then I wasn't sure whether I heard it. So I just pretended that I hadn't heard it, but I'm pretty sure she said, hello, Pete. Anyway, regardless, I do a little bit of local advertising here. Look at the state of that. Look at that. Mm. Northfield, Northfield farm stand, Borough Market, unbelievable. Got one of those mega sausage rolls as well. That's why I love London. Absolutely brilliant. So if you've got the chance, maybe she listens to the Arsenal opinion, maybe, or reads Le Grove. Who knows? Or maybe I just imagined it being very arrogant here. Um, okay, <laughs> let's head on to the next topic. Um, the listen, this is this this next section is always going to be about me. Eddie the King, Eddie Kruger. He's back. He's taking names. He's forcing people to delete their slander. League One Eddie last year, you were wrong. Our season's going to collapse because of Eddie. You were wrong again. Nine goals. How many's Richarlison got in the Premier League? Zero. 60 million. 100,000 a week. 100,000 a week. That too much for you? Number 14 shirt for Eddie and Ketia. That too much for you? What are you saying now? What are you saying now? Eddie and Ketia put on one of the most complete striking performances I've seen from him to date. Um, he might not have the all-round game of Gabriel Jesus, but I tell you what, it's 80% of the way. I thought he was brilliant today. He, yesterday, he connected play, uh, and then he showed up where he needed to with two very Eddie and Ketia goals from inside the six-yard box. Matt, um, you were sitting next to me. Uh, you were loving on Eddie all game. What did you think of the performance, and where do you stack him up um, in the Premier League rankings at the moment? Are we going beyond just a good backup striker now? Yeah, it sort of makes me sad that, you know, even when you did that amazing introduction, you you had to sort of slip in, oh, and he doesn't have the all-round game of Gabriel Jesus. You know, you don't say it about anyone else. You don't go, Martin Odegaard, he's amazing. He's not Dennis Bergkamp, but he's amazing. You know, and We I do it with Eddie, though, right? Everybody does it with Eddie. They're everybody like, but, 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 but. everyone's everybody. got a but with Eddie. And you know what? Maybe that's, maybe that's the, everyone, you know, there's nothing more powerful than a chip on the shoulder. And maybe that's part of the fuel. Maybe he just goes, what the fuck have I done wrong? All I've done is banging goals and everyone's got to compare me to a guy who didn't score in 10 games before he got injured. Shots <laughs> like, shot like, fired. Like, no, it's just... I feel for the guy and I do wonder whether this sort of... Uh, the ears out sort of celebration is, you know... Uh, look at me now, you know? Um, and I think I think there is fuel to that because... What more can the guy do? You know, even after the Spurs game last week, it's like, oh, yeah, an amazing game. But, I mean, 
you know, really should have scored big games, should have scored big games. Tell you what a big game was. 90 minutes in, Manchester United, two all, loose ball in the box. That's what I call a big game. And, you know, he just delivers. He just delivers the movement. And we were talking about it afterwards while we were walking down the Holloway Road and we were saying, the great thing about Eddie is, you know, you sort of build your game around one core skill. But the thing that comes naturally to him, the thing that he's, does, he's never had to work on necessarily, or, or that's not to say it's, it's, it, it, that, that in any way it should be uh, less well regarded. But the one thing that he's always had is finishing and an ability to know where to be. He's always been, he's a poacher. And I think what he's done so superbly is he's built the rest of his game. It's like he's built it brick by brick. He's like gone, who does this well? Who does that well? He's like been built in a lab. It's like if Arsene Wenger and Mikel Arteta had some sort of strange lab at Hale End and London Colney, you know, out might pop Eddie Nketiah. And um, he's just building the, all these units of play, his hold-up play, his heading, his movement, his ball striking, you know, his, his, his mentality. Um, and now you've got to just say he's turning into a complete striker. And not just that, he's done it on so little. He's had so few starts. He's had so few match time. It's like he has to make triple the... He has to make every, every game work three times as hard for him. And I still say the player he reminds me of, Harry Kane. You know, the way he's just building all these pieces around his game and suddenly you're looking at it and going, fucking hell. I, have to, I thought he was like, all right, but he's he, he could be going to the very, 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 very top because... I don't know what he's not got, you know, and I think we're just going to see him developing and developing and developing. And I think it's it's wonderful to see a rise to ready. Johnny, we ch- the the title of this section is different conversations because me and you had a chat in the bar after, and you didn't want to hear best backup striker. Why didn't you want? Why 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 didn't you want to hear that? Yeah, look, <clears throat> it's very important to talk about this guy today uh, because for me. I think that we can't really talk about him as being a backup striker. Jesus is going to be on the bench when he comes back. And that's just, and I'm just going to give, give you the hold, hold, cold, hard truth there. Eddie is dropping goals with regularity that if you do things like that, then you're the starting striker for Arsenal. That's what you do. I wanted to see big games. I wanted to see you making a difference. You can't ask for more of, a di- more of a difference than what we- he got yesterday in a monster tie. Erling Haaland couldn't score against United. Couldn't get a goal. Couldn't get a... Eddie Nketiah, absolute salmon at the back post. Just put it in the box. Let me go up and get it. Whack, climb a ladder. Get in. Don't bother diving, De Gea. Oh, last minute. Oh, they've, they've gutted out. And you know the narrative. You know the narrative. I even shared a little tweet of a little crowing United fan, you know, chatting smack about the Arsenal. They were just getting ready. Oh, we gutted something out of the Emirates. No, Kruger's about. He's back. He's a monster. And he is absolutely, he is, this is past the chrysalis stage for the butterfly. He is butterfly now. It's, this is the time now. He has grown. He's spreading the wings. There's plenty of, Wonderful colours on his wings. He's flapping around because this is not a case of, in my opinion, a guy who's just, you know, learning and one day he'll be good. I think he's already there. You've said it yourself, Matt. You kind of alluded to it as well, Pete. We're judging him through a different lens. Let's take away the player and just look at the stats. The stats don't lie. 
He is banging at an alarming clip. If anyone else was doing it, you'd be fucking literally be like, we need to sign this guy. We've already got him. And he's wearing the 14. For me, I think he's the starting striker for Arsenal now. It's his place to lose. Because as good as Jesus is, and he is brilliant. I love Jesus. But you weren't scoring at this rate, mate. You weren't scoring like this. I'm kind of old-fashioned. I like my striker scoring goals. Of course, we get goals from other areas. But isn't it nice having a guy who knocks in two in big games like this? I love it. I love it. An absolute... He should be so proud of himself. He really should. For him to have stuck around for that long... All of those doubters, including myself, you know, League One Eddie is something that got banded around by a lot of people. Ain't fucking League One. This guy is absolute Champions League. Give me a look in at the Ballon d'Or in a couple of years. That's what Eddie's having a look at. I love it. And honestly, I couldn't be prouder. And it's lovely that he's one of our own and just wants to do it for Arsenal. But even even this season, I mean, he didn't get a look in until December. I mean, in the league, he didn't he didn't start a Premier League game until what December the twenty sixth. Yeah, that's what August, September, October, November, December. Waiting, waiting for his chance. Not just going, sitting on his laurels. Every time he played in the Europe, he basically scored. Uh, when he didn't for one game, suddenly we're like, we've got to get rid of him. It's different, different criteria that he's judged by. But he didn't start a game until December the 26th. Everyone said it's going to be a disaster. Arsenal are going to fall off a cliff. They lost their most important player. And what? I mean, it's just, is it just, there's two games since the restart that he hasn't scored in. And both games, he's forced great, both of those games that he didn't score, the keeper had to make exceptional saves to keep him out. He always hits the target. Well, He's lethal. I'm, I mean, I know it's difficult because we've actually been very good all year, but there's an argument that we have never been as good as we are now. Like right now we're playing top opposition and we are making mincemeat out of them. Tottenham got that work. They got them hand, them hands the other day. They didn't want it with us. You know, it thought they could come and swing haymakers, score wonder goals. And they've been left with tanned bottoms. It's that simple. Don't come round here again. You got what you should have got at Old Trafford. You got, you got the treatment off us. And everyone leaving leaving the Emirates these days knows that they've played the best team in England. And it's phenomenal. And I think if, if if we're playing the best right now and Eddie's the starting striker, then he has to stay. That's all I'm saying. For me, I, I think it's a done deal. I think Eddie should I think it's Eddie's position to lose. And until he, you know, goes on a real funk of form or whatnot, or or, or Gabby Jesus is doing something crazy in training, then I don't think Eddie should be dropped. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Pete? Anything there? Pete's frozen. I'm back uh, in. I'm back in. Sorry, can you hear me now? 
Yeah. You can't pay this Wi-Fi bill. It's absolutely terrible. I know, I know. Who knows? He's probably got some other other tabs open on his thing. He's got. He's a man who's alone in his hotel room trying to find things to do. So he's probably got some other <laughs> other websites open that are slowing his internet connection down. <laughs> oh, highly, highly, highly visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. He's probably just watching the game over again. It's for the same effect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's frozen, Matt. I mean, we, we, we're going to have to be we talking ourselves. To, we, can't, we can't just be waiting, can we? Um, let's move on, because this is something that I very much want to talk about. I alluded to it earlier, but Bakaya Saka, best winger in the world. Pete wrote this headline. Pete wrote it, but I think, um, you know, um, this is the conversation that needs to be had now. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can, can hear you. Me. Don't let me, don't, don't take my Eddie stuff and don't let me in. I just wanted to make one, one, I just wanted to make a quick, I was sitting there watching you two climb all over each other to praise Eddie makes me so happy because uh, I think the guy's been absolutely amazing. Um, I was just doing a little bit of number, number analysis on the side. Um, I think he's paid 1290 minutes this season, which is about 14.3 games worth of data. And he scored nine goals and got one assist. That's incredible. That is incredible numbers. And I think the other thing that we've got to consider, he has not come back into an easy run of games. He, he came back, what people were calling our run after Christmas, the death run. You know, he's played against West Ham, uh, Brighton, um, Newcastle, Newcastle, Manchester United, Spurs. Those are, those are big games. Those are big games and he's still producing. We're about to go into a run which you'd hope Eddie would do well in. You know, we've got the Bournemouths coming up. I just think he needs a lot, a lot of credit for playing in really difficult games, making himself a nuisance. And the thing that I love about him the most is that he is developing at a rate of knots. When he came into the, the club last season, he didn't have a really good all-round game, but he learned how to drop deep like Lacazette. And that was a massive asset to us last season. This year, he's obviously been watching Gabriel Jesus and saying, I need a bit of that in my game because his pressing has been better. And I think his overall involvement has been a lot sharper, but his control has been really good. And when you give Eddie a run, he scores goals. And I just think it's so good to have a goal, sc- a goal scoring backup striker. Um, and I think you're right, Johnny. I don't think he's just a backup striker now. I think Arteta has got to seriously consider him for big games because as much as we love Gabby Jesus, to be a lead striker, your currency is goals. Can't just be about all-round game. 45 million, we need to see goals. So it's great to see Eddie is going to be asking big questions of Arteta. And, um, you know, when you're in the Champions League next season, you need to use your whole squad. And um, I think that he'll get plenty of games, score plenty of goals. And I also love that there's a, a bit of a song going around for Eddie. It's not very good. It's Eddie, 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 Eddie. <laughs> it's like the song masters have got to work on it. But um, regardless, it's uh, it's exciting to see him doing so well. And once again, another Haylander in the mixer. And we love our Haylanders at Arsenal. All right, you're right, Johnny. Um, my next headline, um, I know you want to talk about this, so you can go on this one. Bakayo Saka, best winger in the world at the moment. So we've got Mo Salah. Mo Salah hasn't had a shot on target in three games. So uh, are we ready to have conversations about Bakayo Saka? Maybe not the best, but like he's certainly one of the form wingers. Bakayo Saka. Yeah, look. It's, for me, I alluded to it earlier. We're talking about, I'm not seeing any kind of, you know, um, comeback on it. 
We're talking about a world-class player. I remember last year, it was a key point. As as well as we were doing and whether we thought, can we squeeze out top four and stuff? And we actually looked at it and we're like, have we actually got any world-class players anymore? Obama Yang has gone and had long, you know, long since been a world-class talent anyway. Lacazette, absolute dying embers in his career. And we're just jobbing around with younger kids. And for me... You know, Erdegaard wasn't putting in the performances he is this season, though he was playing, you know, pretty well. And Saka was the one for me where it was like, he's the nearest thing, but he's not quite there yet. And in big games, including the Newcastle game, it did look like his legs had gone away. He'd been, he's, been, he's played so much football for a 21-year-old already in the, at this point in his career. But, you know, and there may be a sting in the towel with regards to um, how much football he's played at this point in his career. But one thing I would say is that now we're reaping the benefits because a player of his age shouldn't be that good. There's There there are special few players that at 21 can run, absolutely dominate big games. I haven't seen a defender in the world, and I'm talking about for England as well, who can deal with this guy. All of them, they look, they look shit scared. Luke Shaw, absolute kittens last night. He didn't know what he didn't know what was going on. Saka can go either side. He can shoot. His 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 ability in tight in tight spaces is phenomenal. We're getting into that situation where you know you see a lot of great players, and I'm going to use that name again, Eden Hazard, where they just get kicked. That's the only thing that some of these guys can do. They just kick them. And I think that Saka, one way or the other, and I think we might have to start being quite outspoken on it. He's going to need to start getting a bit more protection from the powers that be because it really. It really is, you know, getting to the point where I I believe some of the coaches are telling their players just get in and kick the guy because he's too good. You can't you can't stop him through normal means. And at this stage, the last part of his evolution for me is in these games, in the big games, in the big moments, he's always been a bit of a problem. But just take him over. That goal he scored yesterday. I mean, what else? What other description would you give it? Give me another adjective that isn't world class. It's phenomenal. It's the ability to go, guess what? I'm on the wing. Yeah, I'm going to jink inside you. Don't worry, Ericsson. You're not fast enough for me. Whack. David De Gea. Don't, you're picking the ball out and I will celebrate like Marcus Rashford. Don't you dare come into our ground and start taking Oh, the, the shit housery to celebrate like Marcus Rashford was so funny. The guy's <laughs> a rude boy and he, he embodies yeah. everything. And don't get me wrong, there's so many players to love. And obviously everyone has their favourites. That's part of what makes it beautiful about being an Arsenal fan right now. But for me... He embodies everything that is great about Arsenal. I don't know who who can't like him, apart from maybe Tottenham fans because he plays for Arsenal. He's a nice guy. You can see the way he carries himself. He's respectful, but on the pitch, he's an absolute killer. And I just see that he's already like a world class talent. I think this guy could genuinely be best player in the world. I, I like as in I don't think he's there yet, but I think that's on. And, and if you think I'm mocking, I'll, I'll raise you the England game against France. He played Mbappe, he looked him in the face, and he could say when he walked off the pitch, I was the best player on the pitch today. No question about it. That's the kind of level he's knocking about. And if there's one guy who, when we're playing in Champions League next year, because obviously that's a formality these days, is going to get to go to another stratosphere, it's Bakayo Saka. And last point I'll end on in this, do you remember when you talk, they talked about the European Super League? A dastardly project that we're all pleased hasn't happened. But many people said, what the fuck are Arsenal doing in there? Back-to-back eighth-place set finishes and you want to put them into the top tier and not get relegated. And they were like, you know, some people said, what are Arsenal doing there? 
And I remember Florentino Perez, who was obviously self-serving and wanted the money out of it. But he said, Bukayo Saka will be one of the poster boys for the whole league. And I just thought that was the one of the only things I took away from that. Because a very significant person in European football already knows all about that guy. He knows all about him, knows how much potential he's got and knows that he is an absolute world star in the making. And guess what? I think he's already made. Matt, when you look at um, Bakayo Saka and the rate that he's developing, is uh, can he go straight to the top? Does he have a Ballon d'Or in the future? And um, what, like, how much do you love him? Can we keep him at Arsenal moving forward? Well, I think the player that I think probably deserves uh, the best comparison is Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. And that might sound insane given the career that Cristiano Ronaldo's happened. But I just went and had a look. And by the same, by this age, by age 21, Cristiano Ronaldo had 24 goals. And Saka's already got 10, 10 more than him. And he's got months left while he's still 21. He's ahead from a development standpoint than where Cristiano Ronaldo was at the same age. He has the mentality. He has the durability. Uh, and I think... It's the great thing about Bukayo Saka is his greatest attribute is not his passing, it's not his shooting, it's not his uh, ability to go past the player. It's his decision-making, which means that he's just going to have so much more longevity. It's so much harder to go out of form because it's just something that you can't really teach. It's just an innate skill that he has. So... Um, I think the hard thing for him is that he has set such high standards to the point where at half time it was Bukayo Saka's had a relative had a pretty poor first half. Pretty poor first half. I mean, by anyone else's standards, that's a really good half, but by his high standards. And then the second half, it was as if Mikel Arteta said, go and own, take the game. Dominate. You're the best player on it. Go and make it happen. And he turned into peak Arjen Robin in the second half where it's like, you know exactly what he's going to do and you can't stop it. And he just does it. He's got that thing. And it's like, if you show him on his left, if anything, and that, he had no right to shoot from where he was. <laughs> and it, there's zero backlift. I love people who are like, Oh, but his ball striking is not like ball striking. It's a fucking arrow. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, it wasn't a chance. It wasn't a half chance. It was a 0.01 XG. It was unbelievable. And if he and if he couldn't have gone left, he'd have gone right and made a decisive contribution. So he's absolutely world class. Um, we've got to we've got to look after him. Uh, but I will say that you know those players, the Ronaldo's, the Messi's, they part of being world class is your durability. It's the fact that from the age of twenty to thirty five, you don't get injured. And he certainly seems to have a bit of that. He's built like a tank. Um, he may not look the biggest, but players three or four inches taller than him just bounce off him. And I mean, I love him. And I, I thought that point around around the uh, the Rashford celebration was was a, was a really important one because Rashford's probably his mate. Mm-hmm. You know, he plays with him for England. I'm sure he respects him and is friends with him, and probably texts him and gets on with him. But make no mistake he will dominate anyone. There's no, oh, I shouldn't do that. It's like, no, I want to dominate even even my friends. 
That's the sign of a competitor. He doesn't care about Rashford going, oh, I don't care if my mate's annoyed. I'm just dominating. I mean, I just made that celebration look twice as good. It's so funny, by the way, Pete, and obviously come back, but if you look at it around the the celebration issues, this is a team that in previous years has let Man United roll into town and fucking Jesse Lingard doing Millie Rocks in the corner, you know, baiting Arsenal fans, doing fucking dances. And now we're not letting them have it that way. You know what I mean? Instead of letting them do silly dances, TikTok dances on the corner, no, you want to celebrate like that? Guess what? I've got one for you as well. You do not come into our yard. Listen, I'm the big dog. My wee is up all of these lampposts, okay? There ain't room for any more wee around here. And that is what Saka said. He marked his territory and Rashford, back on the bus, mate. Get back up to Manchester. Yeah, I think uh, well, you two have taken uh, all the points. I've got nothing more. I was going to go in with the... Uh, I was saying one as Matt at the, at, the, at the end about... I like the savageness. I like the... I, I like the... I like he's got to go and he's got to go and sit down with Luke Shaw at the next England camp and 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 sit with him and comfort him and say I'm so sorry for embarrassing you in front of the world. I know a billion people watch that. I know you've got hate mail coming through the post. I know your career's never going to be the same again. I'm sorry. He's got to do that. He's got to sit down and explain to Rashford why he embarrassed him with that goal celebration. Um he's getting he's getting teeth. He's getting teeth. He's always been, I mean everyone knows he's a nice boy, he's incredibly polite. Um, he's an A-star student, but I wouldn't melt. But I like that he's getting teeth. And I tell you what, the strength point, uh, like aim into that. I mean, he's so powerful now, holding off players um, at will. And um, I-, I love how he's learning to use his body. I think that's a bit of a special of Arteta. I was always impressed when Mikel Arteta talked about Martinelli's pace. And he said he would just run in a straight line. And now what Arteta is teaching him is that you slow down and you show a player that this is what my fifth gear looks like. And it's not. It's a secret fifth gear that you've got. And then you go up again. And I think that Pakayo Saka um, does that really well. Is he going to go left? Is he going to go right? I mean, the unpredictableness of the entire system is quite incredible at the moment. Um, I do just want to, before we head into the, the next section, I've just seen a tweet that's kind of rattled me a little bit. Thierry Henry, uh, mm, post-game. Yeah. Boy, the Manchester United look completely different under Ten Hag. I will be honest, I'm a big fan of him. I like him very much. Uh, against Arsenal, we saw a team of three years development against a team of six. You know, we just like, Thierry, like, give it a rest, mate. I remember you turning up to that. Was it the Spurs game that he turned up to in the stands after going yeah. into going into cahoots with uh, the, the Spotify guy? and saying that you didn't understand Arsenal's strategy. And now he's like, Eric Ten Hag, I understand the strategy. That's one of the most expensively assembled squads in the Premier League. And he's talking about like United, like there's some plucky side. Like, What's wrong with him? What is wrong with him? Like drives me up the wall. I, uh, I, legend. I mean, look, look at him. He's on my wall and he is, he's the ultimate legend, my favourite player of all time. This was the first time when I, I think I read it and I'm like, Back in your box a little, Thierry. You're starting to take a few liberties there. Now he, he he's got a statue. He's a he's an absolute. If if there is a personification of a made man at Arsenal, it's Thierry. You, he can do ultimately what he wants, but don't try to you know break us down when we're doing well. It might not be the manager you wanted. It might not be the way you hoped this would happen. But ultimately, you're an Arsenal fan and you want greatness for Arsenal. And it's happening. So don't be a hater. I don't. I think you spoke a bit out of turn there. It was a, it was a little bit upsetting because United don't deserve that much praise. Arsenal deserve the praise. We're the winners and we're going to win the fucking league. Matt? Oh, they're saying it's a fake quote. 
in the in the comments. Oh, I think oh, I'm I think sorry, it, 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 <laughs> I, I, I apologize. <laughs> Can I edit all that out? at some point. I think I think I think but the thing about Thierry Henry is he's also my favorite player of all time, and it's gonna take something very, very special to unseat that, and I just can't see it probably ever happening. But the guy is uh an egomaniac. And he is obsessive. And he's sometimes, or quite a lot of the time, not very nice. And that's part of all of those attributes of the things that made him the greatest Arsenal player of all time. Because <laughs> you don't get it by being like, oh, well, you know, I want to be fair to everyone. I want to be diplomatic. You do it because you think that your way and the way you do things is the best. It's bit, bit tolerant yeah, Eddie, of an abusive Eddie, relationship there, Matt. I, I he's, saw, he's, I saw, he's mean because he's great. He's mean because he's great. But I saw Edu talking. He said Edu was like, I had to learn English because Thierry Henry was coating me off in the dressing room and saying that I was to blame for conceding a goal and really going into it. And Vieira was pretending that he wasn't, but he was being fine. But I knew that he was coating me off. And it's, yeah. I mean, some of those stories about Thierry Henry's coaching career are brutal, where he just like brutalizes players for not being very good. I mean, it's it's unhelpful. <laughs> it is. It certainly God is. Bless. All right. God bless him. God bless him. God bless him. Well, I'm sorry, Thierry Henry and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're going to come at me again for spreading fake information, <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> Three strikes and we're out. We know the rules. We know the rules. COVID, Henry, what next? Oh, <laughs> what a nightmare. All right. Okay, let's get into another sexy slide moment. I've actually added some annotations here, which I think the people watching this video are going to really enjoy. Okay, so we're looking at the Premier League table right now. Arsenal sitting atop halfway through the season. 50 points, 16 wins, two draws and one loss. Goal difference of plus 29, which is outrageous. I remember the like the last few seasons where you're like, we can't score a goal. We can't get above. A, we can't get a positive goal difference. So to be plus 29, um, just four of Manchester City is absolutely world class. Um and then just some other things, because my maths in real time is pretty poor. So we are five points ahead of City. Um, but we've got a game in hand over them. We are 11 points ahead of Manchester United, and um, they played one more game than us. We're 17 points ahead of Spurs in fifth place. Seven, and if you think top four this season is was the original target, it, 17 points ahead of fifth is outrageous. And then, if we just want to go right down to the bottom, we have to really, really look hard. We're going right down to the bottom. Liverpool in ninth, Chelsea in 10th, 21 point gap a 21 point gap from Liverpool and we've got a game in hand over Chelsea we could go 24 points ahead of the team that spent the most money last summer that spent the most money in January I mean this really is uh this really is starting to look up like I still think focus on getting into the the top four next season you know title would be lovely I know, I know, I know. But but that's the, the objective of the season. Like, we get get into Champions League, we can spend big money on players. It's slowing. It's starting to look like you'd have to lose a lot of games in the row not to make top four right now. Um, oh, we're getting top four, mate. We're getting yeah. Top four. Oh no, I, I, but like, I you mean, know, did you, you expect you know to be done and dusted with top no, four no, no. halfway I mean, through the season? It's I mean, outrageous. I texted someone today and I said, I think we'd win the Champions League if we were in it this year. Yeah. I think it might be a bit early for that. I think we're gonna. We've got a perfect opportunity to show our, to cut our teeth in Europa. And I think Europa, we are going to be a massive problem. I said it to you guys. All of these teams are, oh, we've got to win this game because, um, 
you know, the teams out the Champions League are going to drop down. And I said to you guys at the time, who coming out the Champions League is better than us? There's none of them. What, Barcelona? Barcelona will not want it with us right now. I'm telling you, they will not want it with us. No one will want it with us. Luckily, they've got to play United. And, and United could give Barcelona a, a, a good game and maybe even knock them out. I think, and obviously, Man United will not want to play us in Europa. Obviously, you know, I don't think there's any any team that really uh, worries too much. But the one thing I would say, and I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, Pete, the one thing that's slightly annoying me is when people keep calling us like a Leicester story. We're not a fucking Leicester story. Leicester nearly got relegated the year before. Now, listen, we've come from quite far back and we've had some ups and downs, but we didn't nearly get relegated. We nearly got Champions League last year. And the reason why it annoys me is because they're somehow trying to degrade our achievement this year. And that is that as amazing a story as it was with Leicester, the fact is, is that there were a lot of teams that kept falling over themselves to be able to facilitate that win for Leicester. We are on track for 100 points this year. There's, that's only been done once by one team. And if we even get into the high 90s, it's very, very rarefied air. That means that whatever team we were going up against, we would have given them a run for the title. This is one of the best teams the Premier League's ever seen if we forward those projections. So this is not a Leicester story. It's a team that has emerged from the ashes and become an absolute juggernaut. Do not play us down. Here, here, Johnny. Youngest team in the Premier League. We're not a Leicester story at all. This is this is something different. This is a story that's never been told. This is like uh, this. This is the Man United. You can't win it with kids, but in a completely different era, a completely different era. This should not be happening. Uh, Matt Candela, when you look at when you look at the league table, um, do you have any concerns in there? Newcastle starting to uh, look a little bit shaky um, at the moment. Like, how do you see the top four playing out? Look, I went on a um, down a rabbit hole uh, last night this morning and ended up found some Man City fans and heard what they were saying. And I think it helps that uh, Arteta is not quite a legend at Man City, but certainly well-liked and well-respected. And I think it also helps that uh, we don't really know any Man City fans because there aren't many of them. Uh, yeah. And I think it also helps that we're not traditional long-term rivals because it was a very balanced thread by a sort of prominent Man City tweeter and they basically all the city fans underneath were like fair play to fucking arsenal because they've got 50 points on the board and we've only done that once and we're only and it's a miracle that we're only five points behind them but they're also saying but if it gets close there's only one team that's going to win it and that's us and if we beat them at their ground it's over and so it really just makes me think, because they'll be like, they're like, if we, we'll, we'll beat them at ours. And then if we beat them at theirs, that's six points. That's us in charge. And then we'll take over. And so I really do, I think it really is getting to the point where those two games against City are going to decide the league. That's where my head is at now. I think that they really are. And a draw at home is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine because it keeps them at distance. What we can't do is lose that game at the Emirates. And it's going to be a difficult balance to get because we're going to want to beat them, but we just can't lose. Um, but if we do, because obviously Liverpool once got, I think, 97 points and lost, came second in the league. But crucially, they lost one game all season to City. It's six pointers. They're six pointers. So I think the whole 
over the rest of the Premier League is going to boil down to Feb 15. And I'm sure they're going to move that April game back to be the last game of the season. Or yeah, something. yeah. There's no way they're not going to. I've got a slightly different perspective uh, to the Manchester City fans. I think if I, I like, I'm I'm totally on board with the six pointers against Manchester City, but I think the key is if Arsenal were within spitting distance or ahead of City by the time Champions League resumes, I think we're in the driving seat. Pep Guardiola didn't want to sign a new deal with Manchester City. I don't think many people expected him to do it. He's got unfinished business. There's only one bit of unfinished business, and that's winning the Champions League. Now, last season, Manchester City looked invincible. They were scary. You know, uh, th- th- there weren't. There was only one team that really battered Manchester City last season, and that was Arsenal, um, and we lost. They just had a different level of specialness about them. I don't think that Manchester City have the same level of special source this season. I think Pep Guardiola said, you know, he's alluding to motivation issues, uh, maybe a little bit of burnout, and... I think the players that they've added into the system don't uh, don't they don't have the same diet. They're not as dynamic as some of those that have exited. Like Haaland is a is a top striker. He's a goal machine, um, but he, I don't think he offers as much to their play as uh, you know some of the false nines that they put in that position. Jack Grealish not quite the same player. I think Manchester City um, look look like you can get at them. If you, it's easier to get in behind Manchester City than it is Arsenal at the moment. And I just wonder whether they've lost a little bit of that fear factor this season. And I think if you can get them, if you if we can be close heading into Champions League, I think Pep Guardiola will have to start making decisions. And I think those decisions could potentially lean more towards winning the Champions League because he just wants to win that trophy. If Pep wins that trophy this season, he's out. He's gone. He's quitting. And I think, I, I, I suspect if we know that, I suspect these players might also know that. And that's why I'm, I'm partly wondering whether some of the, the the loss of performance might be a little bit like when Man United knew that Alex Ferguson was quitting and things fell off and then he had to sign a new deal for two years to sort of assure players that he wasn't thinking about leaving. I wonder whether those City players have a little bit of insight that maybe he's thinking about going at some point and that could be affecting performance. So I'm, pre- I'm pretty excited about the running because our, our game's heading into March now. Um are on paper, uh, more of the likely, you know, more in the more in the likely bucket of wins. You say that though, because I, I'm looking at it and I'm going. I think we've got our two hardest games coming up. We've got City in the FA Cup, and we've got City um, at home in the league. And I think that FA Cup game now is huge because it's about uh, asserting domination. It's about the mind games. If we get dispatched. Our belief levels just like significantly drop going into that home game. Whereas I think we have to go there. And if we get a result, then all good. I think it could easily be a draw. And then suddenly we're playing City four times this season. Four times. And then I go, once you're playing City four times, it's it's just gonna be who fares better in those four games is gonna define who has a better season. I I, I know I know there's Look, because we're all so elated with the way things are, there's a natural caution that creeps in. But I said after we come back from the World Cup, everyone's talking like City are going to start reeling us in. What if we spread the lead out and we get make it even bigger? And, and that's what I'm going to say again. Our next game is Everton away. Lampard's just been sacked, I'm hearing. Uh, it was inevitable. If he hasn't been, he will be anyway. Um, so we've got to go and really put a toothless Everton team to the absolute sword. 
And one of the things that Arsenal have been is ruthless. But then Tottenham play City at home. And I know we've been shown that you can't rely on Tottenham to do anything. But playing at home is, you know, it's different. It's different to playing at City. And they won't have their fans on their side. Tottenham are a bogey team for City. And all of a sudden, City might drop more points. And the other thing, Matt, to the point about our head-to-head games with City, I think we're beating City at least once this year. And I think we'll beat them at home. And if we beat them at home, I think that's it. Because there won't be the games for them to come back. If this is eight points and they've not got any games to play against us, like if we both beat each other at our respective grounds, they ain't making eight points back on us with the other... And this is the other thing. City look vulnerable. They will lose games. There's one team in the league that... I wouldn't say look invulnerable, but certainly have the least vulnerability. And that is Arsenal Football Club. Every time you see us, you know what's up. That, that's, that's how I believe things are nowadays. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Johnny. I mean, like they've got, they've got Arsenal in the FA Cup. Um, don't know how that's going to go. Don't know how that's going to affect, um, you know, the, the overall um, season. But... Tottenham, Tottenham away will be difficult. Then they've got Villa, and Villa have you know shown that they can really spoil a game under Unai Emery. Then you got Arsenal in the league, Forest, and then they've got Leipzig, and Leipzig won't be easy. So if they get if Leipzig get a draw in their away leg, that makes the second leg um, more difficult. Then they've got City. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think City have got quite a lot of hard games from now until the end of the season. Um, but it would be lovely. I, I do think that the missing, the only missing piece in this Arteta story right now, outside a Premier League trophy. Is a is a big win against Manchester United that means something. So um, I think it should be. I, I think it's going to be pretty. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. All right, um, we just got a couple more topics to take out of the show. Um, Arsenal seem to be doing a lot of business this January. Uh, we've already talked about Kivier, um, the centre back who was sitting in the stands yesterday. Uh, Arsenal clearly making a move um, early on a player with a really good profile that I would suspect is uh, close to Lissandro Martinez. Um, that we're now being linked with Weston McKennie, um, the Juventus midfielder. I think he's very impressive in the World Cup. Um, he's got a brilliant engine. Uh, Johnny, what do you think of Weston McKennie? Yeah, you know, if if we say that in the World Cup, one of the big stories was that the US team certainly seemed to have taken a, a step forward. And I think it's going to be, you know, indicative of an upward trend for US um, soccer uh, you know, and their, and, and their chances. Yeah. So I think that he was uh, the most impressive in, in in when I watched him in the World Cup. And I think that he's, uh, you know, if we're interested in him these days, I get excited because whoever we go after, it's like a badge of honour these days. You know, we don't tend to go after rubbish players. And this, um, how do you say the guy's name again? Uh, the defender? Kivia. 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 This Kivia. Listen, I'm hearing really good things. You never know until they actually play. But once again, like Arsenal and their talent ID has fully got my earned my trust with their, you know, back catalogue of successes. And I think it just smacks of a smart team making smart moves in uh, the transfer market, bolstering in here. And it's the other thing you strengthen when you're on top rather than coming around with your begging bowl when you're desperate and, you know, your main players are all injured and they know that you're going to have to pay over and above and beyond. We're signing players that not everyone's realised is around, but if you hear people that know of him, he's, you know, a pretty badly kept secret. He's a very good defender. 
and has impressed as an international already. So challenging Gabriel, not necessarily for a Spartan berth, but backing him up and being able to step in and give him some breaks off because Gabriel has been outstanding alongside Saliba and we have the best back line in the league now. I think that's quite clear in my opinion. Um, and so, yeah, you know, any any move that we're doing, I get more and more confidence about that we're a serious club and we're moving in serious ways. So bring it on. Got to love it. Got to love it. I like the Western McKenney link. Um, Arsenal bringing in the American fans. Uh, they're all supporting Leeds United at the moment. And I can't have that. Um, Western McKenney's got, a, a, you know, great range of passing. He's powerful. Um, and if Arsenal have identified him as having that secret source that we need in the midfield, I think it'd be great because if there is any risk to our season at the moment, it's that I don't think we have backups that can hold a candle to Thomas Partey or Granite Jacker. And at some point, um, two guys that are you know closer to 30 than 21 um, are going to have a breakdown and we've got to be able to deal with that. So it's nice to see Arsenal moving on players early. And also anybody that you sign in January, they basically get a preseason. A really long preseason, um, and then we need to be able to hit the ground running with Champions League next year. So I'm excited to see us moving in that way. All right, Johnny, we have uh, we have come to the end of uh, the show, uh, and there it means that we're heading into the AOP. AOB, what have you got for us? Look, I, I, I'm just going to um, kind of keep it Arsenal related, and it was obviously because we went to the game yesterday, and. It was just, it was just a, a point of nostalgia, really. And you know, I got to go with my mates to see a team that I absolutely feel, you know, I, I, they've got, I've got the love, I've got the, I feel the love. The team makes me proud, and it was just nice to actually be back in the stadiums and just having it large. And you know, I just kind of want to double down on the AOP AOB that I think we've got the best atmosphere we've certainly ever had in that stadium, but you know, potentially in the league as well. And if, you know, not everyone can get to go to games, but if you do get to go to the hallowed ground anytime soon, it's an absolute carnival. It's a festival for all. And I just wanted to use the AOP AOB as another, I guess, congratulatory uh, point to all of the fans. We found our voice, we found our spirit and it feels good. Agree with that. Uh, My AOP AOB goes out to Rob O'Connell, Uh, He came up and he said, I'm going to buy you a beer, but I want a little shout out on the podcast. So this is the shout out to Rob. He came over. We had a lovely chat in the rocket yesterday and uh, we enjoyed the beer. And it was just a it was a it was a brilliant day yesterday. I I guess adding YouTube into the mixer and people know your faces. So it was nice that people came up and said hello. I do remember in about 2013, I went to the Tollington and someone threw a bottle at me when I was standing with uh, one of my favorite journalists, Matt Scott. And he had to go and sort out that mess. No one's throwing bottles at me these days. I have grown up. <laughs> I have grown up. Um, all right. Okay, Johnny, what a, what, a great, what a great podcast. We had a lot of people in the room for a Monday, all shirking off work uh, to, to get into the AOP um, on the Whistle podcast. We appreciate you. Remember, if you want to sign up for more content like this, we do a Before the Whistle um, once a week. It's £3.50. You go to uh, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. If you're watching this show right now, please click the like button, subscribe to the channel because then you get a little email that says when the next one's coming up. Um, And if you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. Write a nice comment because that really helps. Uh, That really helps us with the, uh, you know, a lot of competitors in the podcast space. Um, We're going to be back uh, a little bit later on. We've got a very special... um, before the whistle this week, a special guest will be joining us. 
So uh, tune in for that one. And um, then we'll be back. I can't even, I don't even know. What's the next game? It's Manchester City on Friday, right? We, uh, yeah. 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 FA Cup. It's a big game. They're coming hot and fast. Uh, so join us for Friday um, on the whistle. I'll be, I'll be out of New York um, this Friday. So I might go and do it with Matt in his apartment. Uh, so good times. Awesome. Awesome. Lovely, lovely. Okay, I'm going to get the uh, get the music up, turn the loop off, and uh, we'll say goodbye. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.